Bishop Anthony Obi currently serves as pastor of the Seniors Ministries, instructor of the weekly Lunch with the Lord Bible Study Series, and facilitates ministers training at Resurrection Baptist Church. One church, two locations, San Antonio and Shirts, Texas. A native of San Antonio, Texas, Bishop Obi is the son of Helen Obi and the late Dr. James Earl Obi, who served as pastor of the David Chapel Baptist Church in Austin. He attended San Antonio College and the University of Texas at Austin before graduating in 1973 from Hudson Tillotson University in Austin with a bachelor's degree in secondary education. He later attended Liberty Bible University before graduating in 1994 with a Master's of Theology from International Seminary's Bridgewater University. He also received an honorary doctorate in Humane Letters from Faith International University in Tacoma, Washington in 2008 upon delivering the commencement address to the graduating class. Bishop Obi acknowledged his call to the gospel ministry in April of 1968 at the age of 18 at Mount Calvary Baptist Church in San Antonio and began his pastoral ministry at the age of 21. He served as the senior pastor of two churches in Texas, Mount Rose Baptist Church in Bastrop, Texas, and Greater Good Hope Baptist Church in Beaumont, Texas, before assuming the senior pastor leadership of the New Life Baptist Church in Lacey, Washington. Obi was consecrated to the office of overseer in the Lord's Church in 2009 and consecrated to the office of bishop in 2010 by the Joint College of African American Bishops and oversees the churches in Covenant Fellowship International. He and his wife Donna relocated to his birthplace of San Antonio, Texas upon his retirement and have been members of the Resurrection Baptist Church since August 2018. Good Hope, let's welcome Bishop Anthony Obi. Let's give God some praise in the house. Amen. Thank God for this day. I want to give my kudos to this uh, audio-video ministry. I don't know where they got all those pictures. (laughs) at videos, but you all did a wonderful job. To my friend and brother, Dr. Cofield, I want to thank you for this invitation to come and share today on this special occasion, this Grandparents' Day and uh, Life Group's Kickoff Day, and and what else? Huh? Senior Adult Day? All of that. Thank God for being able to celebrate all of those uh, occasions with you and to uh, the first lady of this house, to the official staff, the deacons, and and, uh, all of you, the members of this uh, great church. I thank God for this day. Thank God for this opportunity. Thank God that my wife is here to share with me today, Donna, and we are grandparents. We are grandparents. Just just had the first great granddaughter. Her name is Willow Grace. Uh, so we're, we're thankful uh, to God for that. Uh, good to see my friend, old old time uh, Chester, 
I, I don't know, I guess back in my teens when, when you got started in Austin and I was in Austin and you're still going for the Lord. God bless you and thank you. Thank you so, uh, so very much. This is unique in that uh, the Lord allowed me to serve five years as pastor of uh, Mount Rose in Beaumont and then 17 years, I'm not, sorry, Mount Rose in Bastrop, then 17 years in Beaumont and then 25 years in Lacey, Washington. And uh, in 2018, uh, the Lord led me to retire from the pastoral leadership and relocated us back to San Antonio, which is my birthplace. I left San Antonio to go to college in 1968, and I told myself I would never live in San Antonio again. <laughs> never say what you won't do. I thought that when I retired, I would move to my favorite city in the whole wide world, which is Dallas, Texas. Had my plans. I, I know, I know where I am. <laughs> I had planned to retire in Dallas. That's where kids and grandkids live. But God said, no, you're going home. And he knew the plan that he had for us. Uh, not only did the Lord say it, but for some strange reason, my wife said, we're going to San Antonio. And uh, two things happened when we got there, and I'll move on to the word in just a moment. Two things happened by God's divine uh, move. My mother was still living in the house that I was born in, in San Antonio. The house was still in immaculate shape, but the neighborhood had changed. No one on that block knew her anymore and uh, it had become quite dangerous. And so the Lord allowed us to move my mother in with us in the house that we built in Cibolo, Texas. And so after being away from her since 1968, now I have her at home with me She was still self-sufficient. We didn't have to do anything for her. Mine was clear at 91 years old, 92 years old. The uh, only thing I had to do was take the car keys. She couldn't, uh, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't have the car keys, but the, the Lord took her home at the age of 93. And uh, so I was blessed to take care of my mother until she died, and I thank God for that. Amen. The other marvelous thing that God did in moving me to San Antonio is that we actually became members of the Resurrection Church. Uh, uh, actually, the pastor, Pastor A.D. Brown, came to Washington to preach my retirement, and in that service, he did a transition. He transitioned me and my wife out as members of New Life and transitioned us in as members of Resurrection. So we were members of Resurrection Church in San Antonio before we even moved there. But 
here's the ironic thing. The first assignment that he gave me when we moved there is to organize life groups. And it's marvelous that I'm here today to share with you in your life group launch. That was my first assignment. We did them in Washington very successfully. And uh, so my heart goes out to you uh, for your passion and your leaders, following your pastor's leadership in forming uh, life groups. And then after forming the life groups, he moved me to become the pastor of seniors ministries. So I'm here for a whole lot of reasons today. <laughs> I'm here to share with you uh, who are part of life groups. I'm here uh, most of all to uh, share with you who are seniors and grandparents. So I think my assignment is clear. So I thank you, Pastor, for inviting me. And uh, I'm not feeling well. I just recently had a surgery, but we're going to do what the Lord allows us to do at this moment. Amen. Amen. I need you to pray for me. My time is short. I got 25 minutes. Now that's short for an old Baptist preacher. <laughs> but I'm going to make it in 25 minutes. I'm, I'm sorry for being overdressed. I had on a necktie and everything. I thought... I thought, uh, oh, I, there's one more thing I meant to tell you. Another reason why I'm here is because the church that I pastored in Bastrop, I'm sorry, Beaumont, was Good Hope Baptist Church. <laughs> so all of this irony is in my heart right now. Uh, so I just thank God uh, for this opportunity. I want to... Uh, ask you to pray. Lord, we thank you for this time together in your word. We ask now that you will open our hearts and our minds and make us receptive to what your word has to say. We ask now that you will save the lost and edify the saved. And we do give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. There are three passages of scripture that I want to share with you today. They're very short, uh, so don't be afraid uh, because there are three. That doesn't mean I'm going to be long. But I would like for you to turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 18 of that chapter. And here's what you'll find. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The second passage is find, found in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Here's what you'll find. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. The final passage is in Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. It says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. I want to share with you on this thought, grace in three 
dimensions. Grace in three dimensions. There are some things that happen in our walk with God, in our relationship with God, that sometimes take us by surprise. Just about the time you think you have figured God out, God will do some things that will sometimes make you wonder if he has lost his mind. God will allow his good people to suffer bad things. If I were God, I would make sure that all of my children were blessed and healthy and rich and smart and beautiful. But God will allow his children to be broke and sick and ugly and crazy. <laughs> Not only will God allow his children to suffer, but watch this, God will allow his children to suffer as if they are bad. Sometimes there are catastrophes that come into our lives and, and things happen and it seems that the more you trust in God, the more catastrophe comes your way. And then here's another one. God will allow his good children to suffer along with the bad. When a 747 crashes, there are saints and sinners on the plane. If I were God, I'd make sure that all of my children were safe. But God is not like that. God will allow some things to happen that make you think that he has forgotten you. But there are, some, there are some doctrines in Scripture that, that we have to hold on to, hold fast to, as they say, in those difficult and challenging times when we go through change and challenge and catastrophe. There are some things that we have to remember. We have to remember, for example, that we have been justified by faith. We have to remember that we have been sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We have to remember that we have been re, 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 regenerated by the power of God. Those are truths in God's word that never fail. And we have to remember that no matter what happens in our lives, those doctrinal truths in the word of God are still true. I was in Philadelphia recently 
and preaching, and my wife and I were going down the freeway, and I, you probably saw it on the news a couple of months back that a, an 18-wheeler drove off of the bridge and crashed on the road beneath and exploded. And the traffic in Philadelphia on the main highway was shut down for months. We were in a car traveling on that freeway and looked in our rearview mirror and saw the explosion. Just a few seconds later, and we would have been in the explosion. Last month, I had a surgery, nasal sinus surgery. It was supposed to have been a simple procedure, hour and a half. Went in at 8 o'clock. I was sure that I'd be, oh, they'd be awaking me at 10 o'clock at least. When they woke me up, it was 2.30 in the afternoon. A simple hour and a half surgery turned into a five-hour major surgery. When they got into the nasal passages up in my head, they accidentally tapped my brain. And brain fluid started leaking. And they had to call in a specialist from the University of Texas Science Center and do what they call a brain patch to hopefully, they said, stop the brain fluid from leaking. They said the signs would be that I would have a drainage that would be extremely salty and I would have constant headaches. I'm here to tell you today that I never tasted. <laughs> any drainage. And the headaches went away in a few days. I'm not at my best right now, but I, I share these stories with you to say that the reason why we were not in that explosion, the reason why I'm not having brain fluid leaking right now is by the grace of God. I'm going to pause for just a moment and let you touch somebody next to you and tell them something mysterious, magnificent, marvelous, extraordinary, something that crazy good that God did for you that he didn't have to do, that he didn't, you didn't deserve for him to do it. He just did it because he's God. Hunt somebody next to you and tell them he did that not because I'm so good, but he did that because he's so gracious. Tell him it's by grace, by grace, by, by grace, by grace, by grace. Grace is a word that covers the New Testament portion of our Bible. But these three texts that I've read to you today are penned by three men who grace the pages of our New Testament Bible and have more contributions to the writing of the New Testament 
and their their personalities spread the New Testament prominently except for the prominence of Jesus himself. And these three men are Paul, Peter, and John. And I'm not preacher enough this morning. I'm not feeling good enough. Uh, so I, I decided between services that I would invite some guests into this service to help me preach this sermon. And I want my first guest to come in. Brother Paul, won't you come in now? Paul says, thank you. I'm so glad you invited me to come to Good Hope this morning. Because I got some things I need to say to Good Hope about grace. Paul says, when I talk about grace, you, under, you have to understand the story of my life. If you've, if you've read your Bible, you understand that I was a terror to the church. I was a persecutor of Christians. I hated Christians. I got a job persecuting Christians. I had papers, I had authority to kill any Christian that I saw that would travel from Jerusalem to Damascus. And I did my job well. I wouldn't like some of y'all. Nobody ever had to tell me to get up and go to work. I was excited when morning came because this was another day that I could kill me some Christians. And I got up and I traveled that road from Jerusalem to Damascus. Every day with joy and pride, I killed and persecuted Christians. But one day, while I was traveling on the Damascus Road, persecuting Christians, something happened. Suddenly a light shined from heaven and knocked me from my beast. And I heard the voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecute me? And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And he said, you've got to understand that from that time, I transitioned, not voluntarily, but by the grace of God, I transitioned from a persecutor of the church to the prominent preacher of the church. I was saved. By grace. Now, if you read my writing, you'll read a whole lot of things that I said about grace. I wrote it, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by your works of righteousness, which you have done. He, Paul says, what God did for me on the Damascus road, he did it by grace. And I've just come to tell you this morning that all of you sitting in here, I'm glad Obi invited me in because I wanted to just quickly tell all of you sitting in here, if you declare yourself to be grace, uh, saved rather, you cannot take any credit because you didn't wake up one morning to decide I'm going to get saved today. 
You did not wake up this morning and decide, one morning and decide, I'm going to change my life today. But somewhere, sometime, God stepped into your life and changed you. I like to look at it this way. God snatched me out of what I was in and snatched what was in me out. And he didn't do it by my choice. He just snatched me. And I just wonder if anybody in here can remember the day that he snatched you. The day that he picked you up. The day, the day that he stopped you from going where you were going. The day he stopped you from making that phone call. The day he stopped you from having that date. The day he stopped you on your way to do what you were on your way to do. You ought to just celebrate now because he did it by grace. Have I got a witness here? Somebody hunt your neighbor and just say, I'm saved by the power divine. I'm saved by the grace of God. And a long time ago, the songwriter took his pen and wrote, wrote a verse about it just to just sung it. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that did what? That saved a wretch like me. It might want to raise your hand and say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. And Paul told me to tell you, you ought to just shout hallelujah right now and thank God that you're saved today. I'm not on my way to hell anymore. I'm on my way somewhere to heaven, but because he saved me. I want to thank you, Paul, for coming in and sharing that with us, for letting somebody know that you're not saved by luck. You're not saved by decision, but you're saved by grace. But Brother Peter, won't you come in and share your perspective? Peter says, I'm glad you invited me. And I want to say quickly that I do not disagree with Paul. As a matter of fact, I do agree with Paul because the same grace that saved Paul is the same grace that saved me. But when I talk about grace, you have to understand the condition of the people to whom I wrote. He says, I was writing to people who were already saved, but they found out that once you get saved, hell really highlights up in your life. Once you get saved, the devil really gets busy on you. And I had to talk to them about how to fight the good fight of faith in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of struggling, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, I had to talk to them about the fact that grace does not just save you, but grace keeps you. I wish I could say to somebody, Peter says, I wish I could say to somebody today, I know you've been going through a lot. 
I know you've been struggling. I know you've had trials and tribulations. I know it looked like sometimes the sky was going to fall on you. The walls were going to cave in on you. I know you've had a hard time, but I've come to tell you, hold on. Because the same grace that saved you did not save you and leave you but he's still there to hold on to you in your time of struggle. So Peter says, I wanted to tell you, grace keeps you. Got seven minutes left. Thank you, Peter, for giving us your perspective, your dimension on grace. But then John, John says, y'all didn't leave me much time, Paul and Peter. But I just got to tell you, I agree with you, Paul. The same grace that saved you is the same grace that saved me. And Peter, the same grace that keeps you is the same grace that keeps me. But I just have a different dimension. John says, I was on the Isle of Patmos and I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I saw some sights that were too marvelous to explain. And I heard some things that were too glorious to reveal. But if I can just tell you that I saw the streets that were paved with gold. I saw the choir. I saw the throne of God. I saw the heavenly host. I saw those that were gathered around the throne and the number of them was 144,000. But then I saw another number and this is where y'all ought to rejoice. He says, I saw another number that no man could number and he gave a description of who they were and how they got there he said these are they that have come through hard trials like John told like Peter told you these are they that have come through great tribulation is that anybody in the house he says and these are they who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. And I've just come to tell you today that the same grace that saves you and the same grace that keeps you is the grace that is going to include you in that heavenly host that no man could number. And I said, John, you mean to tell me the Jehovah Witnesses were wrong? Because the Jehovah Witnesses said that the number of 144,000 is already in heaven and the gates are closed and nobody else can get in. John says they're absolutely wrong. So when they knock on your door, don't even answer anymore because they have a wrong perspective of the kingdom of God. God has prepared a place for you. Jesus said, I'm going to get it ready for you. So where I am, there you might be also. John said they got here through great struggle, through great trial, through great tribulation, but here's what he says. They washed their robes in the blood of the lamb. 
And I want to ask you, has anybody come to the blood? At the cross where Jesus died, where he hung for our sins. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I'm happy all the day. It was at the cross where that precious fountain flows and it continues to flow today so that anybody listening to me right now can come to the cross of Jesus and experience the power of the blood that still flows. It still flows. It still reaches to the highest mountain and flows to the lowest valley. It's still the blood that will give you strength from day to day. It will never lose its power. Have I got a witness? There is still a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And if sinners would plunge beneath that flood, they'd still lose all of their guilt and shame. Because John says that it's the power of the blood by which Jesus died for us that he has gone to prepare a place for us. And he's coming back to receive us unto himself. Does anybody know he's coming back? He's coming back for you and for me. So I want to close with this. John says you got to add my dimension. Paul said it's grace that saves you. Peter says it's grace that keeps you. But I came to tell you it's grace that's coming back to take you home. And the hymn goes on to say that John was right because through many dangers, toils and snares, I've already come and grace brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me on. But John says, since I'm last, you got to give him my verse because I told you he's coming to take you home. So John says, when I look back, I can remember that when we have been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we'll have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. And I want to thank you, John, for giving us your dimension. So as I take my seat, grace has been the theme. So I want you to go home knowing that grace is what saved you. 
Grace is what's keeping you. Grace is coming back for you. Have I got a witness? Somebody say it's by grace. By grace that I'm here right now. It's by grace that I'm sitting in this seat. It's by grace that I'm still moving and have my being. So thank God for grace. Thank God for grace. Thank God for grace in three dimensions. <laughs> 